book of 1 Peter. I'm going to swap these mics, Brother Chris. Amen. I want to encourage you to, to really work at these. I'm encouraged whenever I hear the Word of God being quoted. Uh, I, I love that. And I want to encourage you to do that. And we will do this over the next couple of Sunday nights. And uh, what we'll do next Sunday night, we'll meet before... Uh, and we'll have everyone up here in the choir loft and get all of that going and, and have you set up to where you can be able to say those verses. I want to encourage you to get involved in that. It'll be an encouragement to you. Um, you think about right this very moment some of these young people that have gone up here and have stood and said uh, these verses, and it does. It takes a lot of work. I'm thinking about Jacob just a second ago. Jacob, I, I, I'm serious when I say this. Great job. Many of us, if we were to stumble up one time, we'd sit back down. And he stood up here and said, no, I'm going to say this verse, and he did just that. And that encourages me. And uh, you think about saying these verses and these young people, and uh, even these, these, those adults that came up here and said these verses, that encourages me. I want to encourage you to get involved in that, and uh, you won't regret it, okay? 1 Peter chapter number 2, look with me if you would. Verse number 11, one more time, the Bible says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. And this morning we dealt with these first couple of verses for just a little while. And as, as Peter is writing here, as I already have mentioned, you can sense the seriousness in his tone. As you read these verses, I typically, when I'm reading these, these verses, when I read the Word of God, I try to put myself in that situation to, to emphasize maybe where they emphasize. Now, obviously I have no idea exactly where they emphasize certain things, but key words and the way that these words are used and where they're placed and the, the expression sometimes gives us some insight into how it might have been approached. And I can just sense as though he is dealing with this, he starts with those key words there, dearly beloved, I beseech you. Uh, dearly beloved, the, the word beloved, again, speaking of the, the, the care that he has, hey, I love you, I, I'm concerned for you, I care for you, I want you to get this, this is serious. He says, I beseech you, I beg of you, I, I ask of you, I exhort you, I want to strengthen you in this regard. And he goes on in these next couple of verses and deals with all of these many things that we already have dealt with a little bit this morning. That first one is we think about some of the responsibilities in the Christian life. And I do want to remind you once again that in the Christian life, we have responsibilities being children of the Lord. Now, you say, I don't want that responsibility. That responsibility is entrusted in us. We, we inherit that responsibility. The Lord com, uh, confirms and commands us in His Word to live like a child of God ought to live. And so you think about that. You think about goodly heritages. You think about certain people uh, back in, 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 in the, the, the early 17, 1800s. And if you were to go back and you were to, to even look, even maybe this is something that your family talks about. But if your children are doing certain things and they come up to you and they know they're not supposed to do something. And they come up to you and you're getting on to them and you're saying, hey, you know you're not supposed to do that. And they say, well, so-and-so did it. And you say, well, so-and-so, they might do that, but we do not do that. You, you know what I'm talking about. Whenever you are saying, hey, our family does not do that. Well, can I share with you that when you open the Word of God, the Word of God is clear that as a child of God, as a family... You see here, as you've entered into the family of God, as a child of God, as a Christian, there are certain things that a Christian just does not do. And there are some things that a Christian just does not partake of. There are some things that we say, hey, we are no longer going to do those things because we're changed, you see. And as you walk on this earth as a child of God, you'll find that there are some of those that will say, hey, why doesn't this individual do this any longer? Well, because Jesus saved me. And the moment I accepted Jesus as my personal Savior, all things changed. 
You see, I was set on a better path. I had something far greater for me that the Lord had for me. And so he says this, and he is dealing with this, and he's encouraging them in such a way that he's exhorting them. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. Look with me at verse number 13. We've already dealt with this first portion here. We have some duties here, these responsibilities, if you would. The first one, a duty as a stranger, this responsibility that, hey, we are just passing through. We dealt with the lust and the lust of the flesh and some of those things that are dealt with here. And I pray that that was a help to you this morning. But as we continue this evening, I want to get through as many of these as possible. That way we can find ourselves encouraged even more to make sure that we understand everyone, not everyone, that there are people if you would, that are watching. Let's go, Lord, in prayer, and we'll look at First uh, Peter chapter number 2 for just a few moments. Lord, we do thank you. Lord, this, this evening we ask that you would help us. Lord, I, I thank you for the testimonies. I thank you for the testimonies of those who stood up here in front of their church family and quoted Scripture. Uh, Lord, what a blessing that is. Lord, I thank you for the message and song by these children, I choose to be a Christian. And Lord, what, a, what an appropriate song for the message tonight and Lord, the message all day from First Peter. Lord, every single one of us, as we come to understand that we can accept Christ as our personal Savior, there comes still a, a reality and a responsibility and a decision to live like a Christian every single day of our lives. And Lord, as you, you think about the words of that song, I choose to be a Christian, Lord, may we all choose to live like a Christian and find ourselves abiding by your word and sticking close to the word of God and understanding, Lord, that you and your word is the final authority. Lord, may we not find and may we not seek the validation from this world because this world has nothing to offer us. But, Lord, may we find ourselves saying, what does God have for me today? And walk with you on a daily purpose. That's a daily path. Lord, understanding that you have something for us. Lord, I do pray that you would help us now. Lord, as we get into First Peter, and Lord, as we see Peter dealing with this and helping us understand that this is some serious stuff that he wants to get across. Lord, as he's, he's writing and helping us to understand that there are some things that we should abstain from, and there is a responsibility concerning our actions and our attitude and the activities that we take part in, and understanding, Lord, that you have something concerning our testimony. Lord, may we not neglect the seriousness of our testimony, but Lord, living in this world, come to understand that we need more Christians to live the Christian life. Lord, I pray that you'd help us tonight. Lord, I pray that you'd be with myself. Lord, I thank you for the impact that this book of the Bible and this passage of Scripture has made in my own life. Lord, I do pray that you would help me, Lord, that you would fill me with your spirit. Lord, that you'd empty me of self, Lord, and you'd forgive me of your sin. I do pray, Lord, once again, and thank you so very much, Lord, for the opportunity to stand and to preach your word. I thank you for the call that you placed upon my life. Lord, I pray that you'd help me not to look back. Lord, that you'd help me just to continue pressing forward. And, Lord, as we find ourselves in First Peter, Lord, that we'd all draw encouragement, Lord, to live the Christian life. Lord, I do pray that you'd guide us now, help us to understand, once again, that they are watching us. And, Lord, may it make a lasting impact on our lives, and we'll thank you for it. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. Look with me if you would. Verse number 13, the Bible says this. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme, or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, and for the praise of them that do well. As you continue moving forward, you see our duty as strangers. We're just passing through. There's, a, there's an understanding that, hey, you ought to live a certain way. There's a pattern of your life. And there's a, there's a testimony that you uphold as you find yourself saying, hey, I am a child of God. Now, this morning,
morning we dealt with it, you say, well, I don't want people to know that I'm a child of God so I can live a certain way and do all that I want to. Listen, God has so much better for us and so much more for us to do than anything this world has for you. And if you say, you know what, I I still want to live in my sin. Why would you want to live in your sin when God has a greater way, a greater path, a greater set of standards and lifestyle and, and joy that you find when you live for Him? That's kind of like saying you want to drink Coke when you've got a Pepsi over here. I got one amen. I could go on. That's like eating at Chick-fil-A when you could have Zaxby's. I'm going to park right there for just a minute, all right? Just kidding. You know what I'm saying, though. I mean, there's so much that the world tries to present that, that, that you think, oh, that looks so good. No, 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 no. It might be pleasurable for a season, as we find in Scripture, but it always brings destruction. It always brings bitterness, if you would. It always brings hurt and pain. And it doesn't just bring hurt and pain to that individual. It spreads. You know, my heart breaks whenever I see people living in sin because, as I've said before, that word potential is a word that can be the most encouraging word or one of the most sad words. It can be expressed in two ways. Oh, they had so much potential. That's a sad way to say it. Oh, they had so much potential. Or, man, they've got a lot of potential. And you find in our lives and in our society that far too often we find ourselves saying more and more and more because we're losing people to the fight. They have so much potential. Christians need to stand in the gap. We need to find people living the life that a Christian ought to live. Number two, we see this as we continue moving forward. We see a duty concerning submission. This word submit here that he uses in verse number 13 is dealt with in such a way that it speaks of yielding to one. And as you think and as you continue reading on, there is a certain way that whenever you think about the testimony of the believer and how you handle certain things, are there people in authority that you're going to disagree with? Yes, you will find yourself disagreeing many times, but there is still... You find examples in Scripture on how you handle those situations. You think about Daniel. Daniel was placed in a hard situation where Daniel was told that he was going to have to eat of the king's meat and he was going to defile his body. And he very simply, in a way that he honored the king, yet still honored the Lord himself. And as you think about that, how he dealt with it, he says, Hey, I can't defile myself. I can't do this. I'm not going to eat of the king's meat, but I'll tell you what, prove me. Prove us. And he did so in such a way that he still honored the king that was wanting him to, to, to get fatter and fuller, if you would. That they'd still be the best of the best, but he did it in a respectful way. You see, we're living in a society of, 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 of times whenever we disagree with someone in authority that we just spat off whatever we want to, and it can hurt the testimony of a Christian. I know many people who have said things that they wish they could go back and and change it. Not that they were wrong in what they said, but they were wrong in how they handled the situation. And Daniel was approaching that and he handles it in such a way that he handles it with grace. He handles it in such a way that he he understands, hey, I need to do this. And what's the Bible say in Daniel chapter 1? It says that they were found ten times better. Ten times better. Go with me to Acts chapter number 5. You see Peter. Peter, you say, well, what's Peter writing on this subject for? Why would he write on something like this? Well, he experienced this firsthand. In chapter number 5 of the book of Acts, you find Peter, that he is handling this situation with grace as well. Peter is going to be approached, he's going to be told, hey, you're no longer allowed to preach. Notice what the Bible says, verse number 19, Acts number 5, the Bible says, But the angel of the Lord, by night, opened the prison uh, doors and brought them forth and said, Go, stand and speak in the temple to the people and all the words of this life. Verse number 21 says, And when they heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest came, 
And they that were with him called the council together and all the senate of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them uh, brought. But when the officers came and found them not in the prison, they returned and told, saying, The prison truly found we shut all the safety with all the safety. And the keepers standing without uh, before the doors. Uh, but when he had, we had opened, we found no man within. Now when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these things, they doubted of them. Uh, whereunto this would grow. Then came one and told them, saying, Behold, the men whom ye put in prison are standing in the temple teaching the people. Then went the captain with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should have been stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did not we straightly command you that ye should not teach in, the, in this name. Behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Then Peter and the other apostles answered. Now listen, as you go and you read this chapter and as you go and you read this story, they didn't cause a bunch of disruption. They didn't try to stir up strife. They didn't do it in such a way that they were just going to completely defile and disrupt and destroy and disregard those who were in authority. They didn't do it in a hateful manner. They didn't do it in a disrespectful manner. But notice what he says here. He says, Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than man. And as you think about the Christian life, as you think about submitting, as you think about how you handle those situations, as you think about that responsibility, there is such a responsibility to uphold the testimony of Christ that sometimes we miss that. And we, we think sometimes as Christians that we can just walk in and we can tell everybody what we think is on our mind. And sometimes we don't realize that it's ruining the testimony of Christ. Listen, I know many pastors who are Facebook pastors. I call them Facebook pastors because they have more of a following on Facebook than they do in their actual church. Because they're so focused on reaching all these people and, and gaining all of these fans rather than teaching the truth and what is biblical. These Facebook followers will get on Facebook, and these pastors will get on Facebook, and they'll proclaim whatever they want to that's on their mind to get an amen. And they're ruining the testimony of Christ. You say, well, they have 5,000 followers. Yeah, they also have 100,000 people that say they don't like the person, they don't like Christ because of that person. You see, we have a testimony to uphold. Whenever you come in contact, whenever you're put in situations where it is dangerous or you have to, to, to think about, hey, I'm not allowed to do this, but I, you know, I, I, the Bible says to do this, and there's a way to approach it. Daniel is a perfect example. You think about them, and even whenever they were put in the fire and how they were always handling the situation with grace. Whenever I was in Bible college, I remember that whenever we were um, working at Park West Medical Center, I was a valet attendant, and whenever you signed on there, you know, there are certain things that you're allowed to do and not allowed to do, and you're not necessarily allowed to, to force religion and all those types of things, and, and you're not allowed to, to, to try to, you know, stir up, and there's, a, there's an entire list of things that you're just not allowed to, to basically say or do, or, you know, if you're in a, a position of leadership or, you know, whatever the case might be. And one of those dealt with the religious stuff, and, and I understand that. And so one of my, my bosses, his name... Oh, what's his name? Josiah was his name. And uh, Josiah grew up in a Christian home. His dad was a pastor. He got out of church because uh, of some things that happened in his parents' life, and they ended up splitting, and, and he was just turned off on church and all these many things. And, and I remember whenever, whenever I first took the job, me and Chris Barrows took the job together. And so me and Chris worked this job, and we would ride together. And, and uh, you know, I would talk to Josiah. 
And I didn't necessarily shy away from from talking about the Lord and certain things like that, but I understood that there was a fine line. But at the same time, I understood that maybe for just a season, I was placed in Josiah's life and other co-workers' life for just a brief season to, to, to be a testimony of what a Christian might look like. And I prayed that I would do certain things and live a certain way and make a difference in their life. And for the first probably couple of months that I worked there, I would talk to Josiah and I would invite him to church. That's all. The only way that it started was inviting him to church. And he would always say, man, that's not my, stu- that's not my, my cup of tea is what he'd always say. That's not my cup of tea. You guys, you guys go with that, but I, I'm just not. And for the longest time, I just continued to invite him. I just continued to invite him. And so finally, it was one of those days where Park West, the way it worked was cars would come through. They'd park. You'd get in. You'd go park it for them. People would go in the hospital and stay for a little while or for a few minutes or whatever the case might be, and then they'd come back. But it was a slow day for some reason. And Josiah was working, and all he ever did was he stood at the little counter. You turned your keys into the counter. He put a ticket on it. You'd go off, and you'd go back in. They'd hand you that ticket. So he just stood at the counter. Well, this particular day, it wasn't very busy, so we were able to talk for quite a while. And I would just ask him. And uh, I would, would ask him questions, and I would, you know, say certain things. And he knew the rule book. He knew the, the, the things that you signed. So every once in a while he'd say, hey, you know we're not supposed to talk about this, right? You're not supposed to pressure me into this stuff. And I'd say, I'm not pressuring you. I just want to ask you a couple questions. And I would just kind of lightly ask certain questions. And finally, one, that one day when it wasn't busy, I asked him, I said, why don't you go to church anymore? I said, Josiah, I know Josiah is a biblical name, so there's probably a good chance that you, you know, there's some form of religion in your family. And this is whenever I found out that his dad was a pastor. He said, I grew up in the ministry. My dad was a pastor, and, uh, and, and some things happened in my home. I can't remember. One of his parents had cheated on the other, and, and basically that turned him away from church. For the longest time, he grew up, and he would listen to the preaching, and he grew up understanding all these many things, and it wasn't lived out in the home, and he just said it turned him away. And I, I talked to him a little bit, and if you go and you study the, the, the name Josiah, Josiah was one of the, the last great kings, and you find some of those things. So we talked about that for a little while. And I said, you know, you think about this, and I was talking to him, I said, your life, you might have a background, your parents might have that, but can I share with you that you have a personal relationship? I said, your parents did this, but you can still live for the Lord. And so gradually talking to him and getting around certain things, and that responsibility, I just felt that responsibility at that time to say, hey, I still want to, if the Lord opens that door, to share those things. But you have to do it with grace. You have to do it with, with, with understanding that your testimony is so vitally important. Some other things that you find concerning the responsibilities in the Christian life, I want you to turn to these for just a few moments. As you go back to 1 Peter, as you look at some of these, we won't be long here. I just want to just kind of send these to you. We'll, we'll get to them and turn to them quickly. But you see some other responsibilities in Scripture concerning the duties that we have that I pray will be a help to you. We have a duty to, to obey the Lord. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter number 1, verse number 2. As you see here, the Bible says, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit. Notice these words, Unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multitude. That, that, or that multiplied. That word there, unto obedience. We have a, a responsibility to obey the Word of God, to obey the Lord. We have a responsibility to be sober. Look with me in chapter number 1, verse number 13 and the bible says this wherefore gird up your loins of your mind be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of jesus christ as obedient children there's that word obedient again not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust 
in your ignorance. Now, if you were to go to chapter number 4, verse 7, and chapter number 5, verse 8, you'll see that word sober again popping up. We have a responsibility to be sober. We have a responsibility to be uh, one who is righteously living. And I'm just going to shotgun these to you and encourage you to go back and read some of these. But in 1 Peter chapter number 1, verse number 15, it speaks of that. It says, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. You have a responsibility to search the word, first Peter chapter number two, verse number two. You have a responsibility to praise the Lord, first Peter chapter number two, verse number nine. A responsibility to serve the Lord with liberty, first Peter two sixteen. A responsibility to follow Christ, your example, which we're going to get to here in a few moments in first Peter two twenty one. A responsibility to follow, I mean to, to control your conscience. First Peter three sixteen. To serve others without griping. That's one we could park on for a little while. How many times do we gripe? How many times do we, do we get upset? How many times do we complain? How many times do we, do we say things in a certain way, in a certain regard, because we might, we might be wanting all of the, the attention? Listen, it's not about us. It's always about Christ. You shouldn't be serving in such a way that if you don't get recognized, that it's ruined your day. If your day has been ruined because the pastor or somebody has not recognized you, that's not me, that's a heart issue on yourself. And as you think about serving the Lord, you should not serve the Lord or serve others and expect someone to praise you. No, you should want that they say, hey, you know what, God is good for putting you in my life. Well, what's that? They're not praising you, they're praising God for you. That's another day. We have a responsibility to be an example. 1 Peter 5, verses 2 and 3. But as you think about that, serving others with griping, I don't think I gave you the verse, 1 Peter 4, 9. There's so many responsibilities in the Christian life. Well, you say, well, what's the purpose of all those responses? Why should we, should we pay attention to these responsibilities? Because you have a testimony and they're watching. They're watching. You know how many people's testimonies have been ruined by one of these things right here because they weren't being followed through? Uh, you think about that grandfather that I was talking about earlier and him searching the Scriptures and reading the Scriptures, that impact that he had on his grandson because his grandson was told to do that, but he saw his granddad doing it. Well, what a testimony that is right there. We see a duty as you think about serving the Lord and you think about what he has for us, a duty and submission and all the other responsibilities that follow those many things. As we continue moving forward, I want to be quick tonight. We have duty as servants here. And we have this duty as servants. Go back with me if you would, chapter number 2. And as we think about this duty as servants, and you think about these words here, this word well-doing, verse number 15, the Bible says, For so is the will of God, that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free, and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Now this word, uh, this phrase, well-doing, speaks of being a blessing. We mentioned this this morning, being a blessing to someone, and, and not even expecting, understanding that they can't even repay you. They can't do anything for you, and you're perfectly fine with that. You just simply want to be a blessing to them. It gives a, an idea, an understanding of a high level of, of character, if you would. Character is, 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 what, is what is taking place in your life when no one else sees it. As I was growing up, character is one of those words that was always dealt with when you were playing sports and certain things like that. Coaches would harp on the character and talking about work ethic and all those many things. And you think about that word character and that statement, well doing. Well, what's the purpose of it? In verse number 15, it says, you may put to silence. We dealt with this already, but for just a moment, 
We, we basically, we serve the Lord in such a way that we are, are humbly serving others and serving the Lord that it, it silences those who are malicious, those who are critical, those who are trying to stir up strife, those who are trying to belittle, if you would. And so it, it gives this idea, it gives this, this picture here to basically quiet with a muzzle. I have a couple of miniature golden doodles, and Theo, for the longest time, he was one that we never knew if he was going to take to the family. He was, it was, he was that dog that was there, but you didn't, he, he just stood there. You know, he, he'd stand over in the corner. We, we, we couldn't tell if he was going to become, you know, our dog. You know, some of you say, that's my dog. This dog, we couldn't figure out what, what it was going to be of him. He just, for the longest time, about a year and a half. And then all of a sudden, about six months, seven months ago, he took to the family. And he wants to be all over us and all those many things. And so not only was he always over there, but he, we never heard him bark. He never really did anything. He was just the most laid-back dog there ever was. Darcy, on the other hand, Darcy will hear a car turning in the neighborhood about a half a mile down the road, and she'll start barking. She's that dog. And so we, we, I told her, I said, we're going to have to do something about this dog barking because every single time during nap time, that she'd wake Jackson and Holly up. And, and you know this. Now, listen. I, I've got to run to the store whenever it's when when it's when the kids wake up, okay? But but she stays home, and if them dogs wake up them kids, mama's not happy. And when mama's not happy, she's letting me know she's not happy, and then all of a sudden I'm not happy and I'm annoyed, so I'm frustrated with these dogs. So I said, all right, we're gonna get something. It only took one time, but we got one of those 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 collars that just kind of keeps them from barking, and it took one time with Darcy. She barked one time, that thing got her and we didn't have any more issues with her. Basically, what took place was this. Silence. She's got a, sh- a, a short nose, so I don't even know if they make not- muzzles for those. But it gives the, the, the idea of they can say all they want, but as you continue serving the Lord, as you remain faithful to God, as you don't even pay them any attention, you're just serving the Lord, you're serving others because God has put you uh, them on your heart, and as you continue to serve the Lord in that regard... It's as though they get tired of it. They get bored trying to get in your head. My, my stepdad growing up would always try to get in my head, and he would always talk. I, never, I didn't score on my stepdad for the first three years that I played basketball. Brutal. I mean, swatting, I mean, blocking me. And I was short, too, and he'd let me know I was short, too. And he'd just talk, 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 talk until I got in the seventh grade. And then guess who did the talking? And guess who still does the talking? Just a while back, he came to visit, and he went and played with us. And I was telling Brother Chris some of those things that I would say to him and, and, and all that. But listen, there came a time whenever I just kept working, I just kept doing, and he was put to silence. Same goes for the Christian life. When you keep serving the Lord, when you keep pressing on, when you keep no longer paying attention to all those many distractions and those people, they'll stop. They'll be put to silence. And he says right here, For so is the will of God that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free and not using your liberty for the cloak of maliciousness, but as servants of God. Verse number 17, we won't be long here. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. I love verse number 17 but because it's clear. I mean, there's, there's, there's no uh, questioning of those things. He says right here, honor all men, respecting if you would, respect all men, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. And so you begin to see this duty concerning this showing of love, showing love to one another and, and all the many responsibilities you find here. Honor all men. Love the brother. Hey, we should love each other. I, I'll tell you what, there are churches that you will walk into and you can feel the tension right away. You can tell when, when there's some strife amongst the brethren. 
And I'll tell you, whenever we walk into church, and, and what a joy it is to be able to walk into church and understand that, hey, the brethren loves each other. I love being able to walk through. Sometimes I'll just be sitting back and I'll be looking and watching certain conversations being taken place. And I, I love it. We should love each other. We, we're on the same team. As you think about serving the Lord together, we should love the brotherhood. Now, if you have an, uh, an issue with another brother or sister in Christ, you also have a responsibility to get that right with them. You should go to them and you should let them know, hey, I have this quarrel with you and I need to get this settled. And, and maybe they did something without knowing or maybe someone didn't do anything or whatever the case may be, but making sure. And so as you see right here in verse number 17, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. The last two things, we won't be long. These last two, we have a duty in suffering here. Now, no one likes to suffer. But I'll tell you what, if there's any time when there are people that are watching, it's whenever a Christian is suffering. When a Christian is going through a difficult season, they're watching to see how you respond. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 18. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to be good and gentle, but also to the froward. For this is thankworthy. That word thankworthy speaks of that which gives delight, if you would. You say, that's a strange way to say that. This is, this is something to d- delight in. If a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. Notice how Peter words it in verse number 20, though. He says, For what glory is it if when ye buffet for your faults, you should take, uh, take it patiently? But if when ye do well and suffer for it, you, should, you take it patiently, for this is acceptable with God. Simply put, it gives a picture of one who is doing that which is right because of a good conscience towards God and is suffering because of that choice. God delights in watching His children do right even at the expense of suffering. Can I share it with you this way? It'd be like any of these young people. They go to school. They walk into school and they're carrying their Bible. They're, they're, they're taking time to, to make sure that they're living as a Christian ought to in a difficult spot or whatever the case might be. And they're suffering for it. They're not in the popular crowd. Listen, I'd rather be alone with God than in the popular crowd with a bunch of sinners any day. And you think about going to your workplace. You say, well, I sit alone at my workplace because I'm a Christian and, and, and you know, that just kind of, it, it kind of rubs people the wrong way. Hey, you're suffering for Jesus. And it, the Lord delights in that. And the truth of the matter is, whenever you find yourself walking with the Lord and when you find yourself just saying, you know what, Lord, you're worth my entire life. Lord, I, I give you every single part of me, every single uh, second of my day. Lord, you are, I'm completely at your expense. There truly isn't really that much suffering. I'll tell you, those, those times whenever uh, I've been uh, in the not-so-cool crowd because of being a Christian, I've been perfectly fine with it. You know why? Because Jesus is still sweet. And you don't have to be. And as you think about this statement that he is making right here, he says, For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience towards God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. There's a duty in suffering. You'll find that there are people that are watching you whenever you're suffering. The final thing we see is this, verse number 21, and this summarizes all of it, if you would. Truthfully, if you find yourself in verse number 21 doing what you're supposed to be doing, then you'll find yourself in verses 11 on down doing all those things a lot easier. It says right here, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that you should follow his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously, who, is, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, 
should live under unright, unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Verse number 21, he uses a couple of examples here. He says in verse number 21, leaving us an example. That word example, it gives us a picture, if you would. It's, it's kind of like those things that the K3 and K4 uh, and maybe even K5 students will use as you hand them maybe a workbook. And that workbook has the letter A, and it has a lowercase a, another lowercase a, and then it has a capital A twice. And it gives the picture, if you would, as though you are simply just sitting there and you are tracing those letters. Can I share with you that in in the Word of God, as you open the Word of God, you see an example and you can do the exact same thing. In your conversation, in your purity, if you would, as you continue to walk through, the Lord begins to deal with all these things, being kind and loving and being humble and serving and being holy. And all across the board, we could go on and on about all these many things, but it's as though you're just sitting at the table and looking and watching the life of Christ before you, and you're just trying to, to follow Him as an example. The next word that you find in this verse right here is the word follow. That word follow literally means to tread on another's footsteps. These children just saying, I choose to be a Christian. As they think about choosing to be a Christian, they're given an opportunity to follow the greatest example that we have ever seen, and that is Jesus Christ Himself. As they open the Word of God, they can open the Word of God and walk the same footsteps. As they walk with the Lord, they're hand in hand, and they find themselves trusting the Lord every step of the way, and they're, they're opening the Word of God and seeing the will of God and walking on the path the Lord has set for, before them. And so it's as though they are treading on another footstep. And then the next word that you see in this passage of Scripture that is so interesting and so important, and it's the last word we'll deal with, is verse number 21, I mean 22. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Now that word found is a very interesting word. It speaks of examination, thorough examination, if you would. Uh, It speaks of an intense searching, if you would. It speaks of scrutiny, if you would. Can I put it to you this way? They tried all they could, but they could not find any fault. They couldn't find anything. As as Jesus is on the cross, one of them says, Surely this was the Son of God. As you think about all of the many things, and as you think about them trying to, 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 to find fault in Him, there was none found. After all the examination, we find nothing. After all the scrutiny, we find nothing. It's as though you go back, and Brother Witt and I were talking about this in Sunday school just a couple of days ago. As you think about the life of David, you think about other pastors, you think about Daniel. And even Daniel, they tried to find certain things about Daniel, and they could not find anything. He was a just man. I'm sure that there are some that tried to find certain things about Noah, and, and they tried to find certain things about Noah and would, would say certain things, but hey, he, he walked with the Lord. He was a just man. And so as you think about our duty in following Christ. You say, well, what's the purpose of it? They're watching us. You say, who? Christians, the lost, children, young people. You could find many, many people that are just watching us. And as a child of God this evening, and as we dealt with it this morning, we have a duty, we have a responsibility to just live the Christian life. And after a busy summer, can I encourage you more than ever, as I've already mentioned it, the devil wants more, nothing more than right this very moment for a child of God to stumble and fall, for a child of God to say, you know what, I'm going to take a little bit of a break. Lord, I thank you for the victories we've seen, but I'm going to take a couple weeks away from seeing any more victories. No. Press on. 
keep moving forward. Hey, you say, I rejoice in seeing all that God has done. Can I share with you that the last two weeks I bathed Miss Catherine in prayers. I saw that hand go up. And that hand went up, and at the time, she didn't come forward at that time. So the next two weeks, I just spent time praying, Lord, she raised her hand. Lord, she ra- Lord I, I, I wanted to get saved. Lord, could you? And then Brother Jody stands, and he preaches, and he says, Hey, if anyone in here is not saved, would you just slip over here? I'm not going to embarrass you. That hand went up. Guess what? God answered another prayer. Amen. Can I share with you, right this very moment, you might be praying about something, and if you take any time off, you might miss the opportunity of God breaking through. You say, I'm just so tired. Rest in Him. Amen. You say, I just don't have any more strength. They find it in Him. You say, I, I, I'm just, I'm weary at this time. Then just say, Lord, I need you more than ever. You know, the words of that song, I need thee every hour, is a truth. When you're strong, you need Him. When you're weak, you need Him. When you say, hey, I'm tired, but I can keep going on, you still need Him. Every single hour of the day, we need the Lord. And so as you think about the Christian life tonight, as you think about what we've dealt with in First Peter, can I encourage you now more than ever, we need Christians who will say, you know what, that responsibility is great, but I'm willing to keep following. Don't take any time off. Parents, you look at these children and you say, you know what, I want to take some days off. No, the responsibility and the blessing is too high. Don't miss it. Sunday school teachers, you say, that's a lot of responsibility to influence young children. It's a lot of responsibility to influence the the young adults or the adults or the wisdom age or whatever the case might be. It's a lot of responsibility. I just don't know. Press on. Press on. I think about the children from, from the age that they're in the nursery all the way through and all that they're soaking in. I mean, we'll just be in the car sometimes and that little joker right there will bust out singing some of the hymns that he's heard. And just today, he was talking and uh, he was telling me about Joshua in, in the Battle of Jericho. Who were the, who were the workers today that taught that? Miss Kathy, yeah, boy, was, he, was, he was telling me what took place. You know, and he, they know. They're soaking it all in. You say it's a lot of responsibility, but it's worthwhile. And you say it's a lot of responsibility to go out in this lost and dying world and live the Christian life, but it's worthwhile. Continue pressing on. Live for the Lord. As Brother Jody said, we need some Caleb's. Let's dare to be different. Let's have a different spirit about us. Let's press on for the Lord. Lord, we do thank you. Lord, there's no doubt in my mind this evening, Lord, that this room is filled with Christians who just love you. Lord, it'd be easy right this very moment to take some time off. But Lord, don't let us. Help us to press on. Help us to move forward. Help us to not stop and put on the brakes, but Lord, say, hey, Lord, with your strength, with your help, with your ability, Lord, we're going to keep going. And Lord, help us to continue in prayer. Lord, I'm, I'm so stirred to watch these individuals, these young people and these adults stand and quote Scripture. Man, how exciting it is. And Lord, as we hide the Word of God in our hearts and our lives, Lord, may we not just hide it there, but may we take it to a lost and dying world full of people, Lord, full of Christians even, who are struggling and, and are battling things that need the encouragement. And may we share the truth. Lord, I pray that you'd be with us tonight. Lord, may we declare and may we find ourselves dedicating once again and saying, I want to live the Christian life. It's a great responsibility, but it's so worthwhile. Help us to take that stand and live for you. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray.